what does the word intentional mean for you? You know, doing something with awareness and uh, purpose and a willingness and a curiosity to, to achieve it, to seek and achieve. Welcome to the Intentional Growth Podcast, the show that teaches you how to grow the value of a company with an end in mind. Host Ryan Tansom interviews top business leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and other professionals who share their experience and expertise about buying, growing, and selling companies. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. This is Ryan Tansom, your host, and this is episode 282 of the Intentional Growth Podcast and the first of 2022. I'm super pumped for this episode because I had Dr. Stacy Finer on the show today. She's an innovative psychologist that has one heck of a background. And what I absolutely loved about Stacy is it's this is literally no fluff in this episode. And she has a dynamic background like I've never seen. She's not only a psychologist, but she's got her series 65 or, or 66. So she understands the finance side of life in the world, but also the psychology and she's able to have bring this multi-dimensional approach to leveling up the output of elite performers and how she is able to do that we're gonna we're gonna be unpacking but she's able to take the output of elite performers and increase them by un, helping them understand themselves and their blind spots so what stacy's gonna be diving into are the four components of coaching and she she really clearly breaks down the difference between therapy and coaching and why uh her process of bringing up out performers to the next level is way different than catching someone from falling from where they might be right now so she's going to break that down by uh, explaining her four four phase process but then she's going to describe the three different types of elite performers she's going to be talking about how owner operators of their of business owners in today's world not only are essentially carrying the American economy because we're such a huge crucial part of it but also that business owners are triathletes because of the things that they're trying to do and she talks about what well, the reason that we're triathletes is because of the three big components of the three three big groups I should say that we are working with uh, our business our family and our wealth and then she breaks down the seven stakeholders that she calls an ecosystem that we have different roles in and we have to approach those different roles with solid clarity in order to understand what we're needed for in that with that stakeholder and then how to navigate all those that all those groups in order to progress our own vision for what we want out of business and life because the whole goal is to create wealth enjoy work and make an impact and by understanding this ecosystem understanding yourself as an elite performer and how that translates into business is so helpful and Stacy has the exact framework and the discussion that we have to make this clear for you so when you're approaching your business and your life or your wealth or these different stakeholders you know what you want to do how to approach it and so you can continue to progress yourself towards your ultimate goals thank you so much for tuning in this is an awesome episode I think you're going to enjoy it and without further ado here is Dr. Stacy Feiner Sponsored by Arcona's Intentional Growth Digital Course. Ryan Tansom and Pat Hobby show you how to shift your mindset away from solving for annual income to focusing on strategies that create long-term value, giving you the freedom and choices to take control of the future destiny of your business. Accelerate your knowledge with 36 videos and dozens of exercises that combine decades of experience buying, growing, and selling companies. Learn more by going to arcona.io or visiting the show notes. 
Dr. Stacy, I, I like the, I'm going to throw in the doctor on it because I think I was just calling you Stacy, but uh, <laughs> we are going to be diving into some things that are not just fluffy. And, and that's what I was just saying to you is, you know, this topic of looking internally, looking and identifying what we want, you know, really reflecting and then building a plan around it. You and I had this conversation and we, the amount of common connections that we were ripping off back and forth. And then I was, you know, going through some of your materials you were sharing with me and I can't wait to unpack this because I think so many people, uh, they just don't know how to go about figuring out what's actually blocking them. You know, we got blind spots, you know, from the psychology behind it, from ourselves. And then, you know, coming in and, you know, all the technical things that we need to do all the, all day long are very black and white sometimes, but we don't know what the ripple effect is on how it impacts what we want. So welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you for being on. And why don't you, for the listeners, just give us a little bit of a background and then we'll dump, jump right in. Thanks. It's nice. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, Ryan, again, and getting deeper into the, the topics that you just raised. So I'm a clinical psychologist by trade. I knew kind of what I, what my purpose was. I think when I was eight, I had a guitar. It was an FG 75 guitar and I loved playing it when my, when my family was out of the house and I could sing my own songs and I would sing about peace and justice and equality and, and love essentially. And my, my, my promise was to help improve the human condition. And finding my way to do that, and now, you know, so many years later, I dare say, you know, more than 20, 25 years later, I'm kind of proud of that. My my theme is the same. I really want to improve the health of the nation, and I believe that improving the health of the nation is best done through privately held companies with owner-operators. Um, I'll just, like, riff on that a little bit. You know, 68% of the U.S. population is employed by private enterprise. It's a jaw-dropping number. And this group of that we are that we help Ryan and that we are also a part of. Um, I'm a business owner of two companies as well, and I've been in corporate and done leadership at an executive level and on and on. And you know, we we're fragmented. We have a lot of regulatory issues that are slapped on us because some of the public companies make mistakes, and then they the the regulations get broadly. Uh, dropped on all of us, and uh, that's expensive, and the, just the cost of doing business, and and we're fragmented, and so we don't have our, but but we but we are the the sixth largest economy in the world under the U.S. Economy. And then, like you said, sixty eight percent of the employees work at privately held yes. companies. I mean, it's it's the backbone of America, it truly. Is. And we're fragmented, so we don't have a a leader, we don't have a, a, a currency, we don't have a national anthem, you know, we don't have a, a sovereign land, but we are a very huge part of the economy. So bringing us together and uh, and involving us in how to be great and win every day and how have all aspects of our lives be high performing is the goal. So that's what brings me here. I love it. And, and so I want to lay some groundwork, uh, Stacey, before we get into some of your frameworks that you've built, because I really enjoy how you've organized the complexity of some of the things that we are, we're going to talk about into, you know, easy to understand, which I, I'm a huge proponent of taking the complex to making it simple. But before we do, I want to maybe... I want to spend some time just like, what is a clinical psychologist, your background, the difference between a coach, a life coach, a psychologist, you know, all those words that kind of like, you know, get intertwined. And then therefore, I think it doesn't do justice when someone says, well, I don't need help because, you know, it's just fluffy stuff. And I don't want to sing Kumbaya. I think the 
the the taboo of that is going away a little bit, especially as mental health has become a huge issue because of COVID and more. I, it's always been an issue, but it's definitely more to the forefront. But specifically, like let's you know, kind of just set some groundwork for with the with the terminology, where you come from, and your lens that you bring to it, and how that might compare with a couple other philosophies or approaches. Well, it's so interesting. I think you're right. Right now, in just in our culture, the 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 experience of mental health and the continuum of mental health to mental illness and and wellness and you know what's really important is that the notion of psychology seems to be still underrepresented in the conversation about human health. And we've gone kind of from a place where we're I guess you know, mental illness is a taboo and all. To, to a place where, you know, embracing people with diverse experiences and providing communities that support people when they are overwhelmed or burnt out, especially during this pandemic, we've, we've seen so many new kinds of experiences. But I think the notion of psychology needs is really, it's, it's fundamental to understanding human health. Psychology explains healthy development. Psychology explains ways um, that human beings are have this um, uh, how we form the self, and the self is developed in relation to others. So one thing to understand about uh, you know human health is we are all born with this innate tension, and the tension goes like this: we have a need for belonging, and we have a need for self-expression. And oftentimes those things can be, um, can feel like disengaged or can feel like a competition because our mm -hmm. sense of belonging is how we get acceptance and uh, protection, right? When we're, and, mm -hmm. and acknowledgement. But self-expression is where we have creativity, we have our own voice. And if we're too close to um, needing to a sense of belonging, then we might conform, and if we're too much on the self-expression, we might find ourselves feeling alone often because mm -hmm. we're, um, you know, excluded from the mainstream because our ideas are so different. So I think psychology helps explain the range of what happens for us, everything from attachment to biology, to DNA, to genetics, to experiences, to memories, to intellect, to preferences and traits, all of those things are happening to us at one time. And we don't have a very good way of understanding ourselves. So I mm -hmm. think of the, the idea of performance coaching and mentorship and therapy all about learning about oneself. I think the difference between therapy and coaching, for example, is therapy is about protecting you from the fall and coaching is about the climb. So as a performance psychologist, I help people climb, which means to have one understanding of oneself, to get a better understanding of oneself, to use emotion, to use subconscious material, to understand current circumstances to grow. And that's how you win. And, you know, you win every day by paying attention to, to by being self-aware. I mean, super cool. Even just, again, this is why I was so uh, pumped about our conversation last time is because you're putting these simple terms to very complicated topics, right? Like, I mean, the whole like self-expression versus belonging, how many entrepreneurs say, I'm so sick of being alone, 
right? Because they self-express to create this company and they have all these stakeholders that rely on them. But then you're like, wait, I need to belong. Hence CEO peer groups or talking to people like yourself or, you know, yeah, other, other advisors. So, you you know, huge, huge point. But then also when you told me last time that therapy is about the fall and coaching is about the climb. And I think people need to understand where they're at in that spectrum or that journey to say, do I need to stop the fall or am I just trying to, you know, pursue a goal of getting better and it's a spectrum instead of like, you know, binary, like you're either this or that. And because I think it's the probably depending on the day and the circumstances too. So then you, you and I with that, with that kind of framework, how do people start to figure out how to learn about themselves? And I'm going to drop one more comment uh, before you, you go is that you and I had talked about, I think about Bo Burlingham Finish big. I talk about the book a lot because, you know, out of all these complicated topics we talk about on the show all the time, it's the most hap happy and, you know, I'm going to call it successful as in the term of they, they accomplished what they wanted with their business. They knew who they were, what they wanted from their business and why. And that's the biggest struggle. That's why like 75 or 80% of the people are not happy long-term is because they don't know those things. You've worked through how to help people figure that out. Like we don't have a framework to help people figure that out other than the show. So, you know, explain how you engage with people and how are you helping them break down these barriers and these blind spots to help them figure that out? Uh, it's, uh, for sure, it's a process and it's a, you know, it starts with conversation and curiosity. And sometimes it starts with kind of desperation. I mean, so when I think about top performers, there are three types of top performers. There's the top performer who is restless. They're hitting on all cylinders. Um, they are at the top of their game and they are very coachable. Right. Because they know that to get better, they need to find nuances about themselves and about the environments and the variables around them to improve their performance. However, they are while they're coachable, they're also sometimes reluctant to take advice because if it's not exactly the advice or they don't apply it well, then they can kind of take a step back. And nobody wants to fall from grace. Nobody wants to fall from you know, <laughs> the top position. So yeah, right. taking so so making change when you're at the top of your game can feel like a risk, even though you're desperate mm -hmm. for the insight. And also when you're working with a you know a top performer who is hitting on all cylinders, they one slight adjustment can have exponential gain, right? So that's thrilling work. Then you then there are top performers, right, who are stuck. I'm sorry, they're frustrated. This is the second the second group. They're frustrated, meaning they know what they want. They can articulate they, what they want, but they can't seem to get people to do what they want. And so they're <laughs> they're frustrated oh, yeah. and and their regular tools for getting unstuck seem to be um, unresponsive. And so they might wait six months because they're trying their old ways or they're trying the ways that used to work. And this particular issue is immune to it. And so they might you know, they might keep trying to solve the problem with old solutions. And then they get a little desperate and they're like, geez, you know, this is not typical. I don't like to be stuck or, or frustrated. So I, I, I'll go seek some support and some help. And that's, and then the third is the stuck performer. They're the, they've reached, they've checked out all the boxes, right? They've gotten their degrees. They've started their company. They've sold it or they're doctors. And, you know, they've hit all the check marks and they're not satisfied. And they have this sense of uh, maybe gloom. Uh, I've hit all these all these check marks. I've checked all these boxes, and I'm still not happy. 
So that can seem like a pretty desperate place to be. Um, what's going to make me happy? So all of these players, all of these top performers are enter into the process with a desire for growth and change. And sometimes they, you know, top performers suck it up. You know, top performers say, you know, whatever it takes, I will kind of subject myself to it in order to grow. It's the players who actually, you can see all the challenges. It's not hard to discover what's wrong, but they don't, aren't open to the growth. So I think, so that's one thing to say that, you know, uh, when you are on a climb and you do want to be great and you want, you have high expectations, you just find your way to get it done. And mm-hmm. um, I al- I'm always thrilled to be obviously in that space. What attracts you to this space of working with top performers and, you know, crazy entrepreneurs that have got ideas that won't listen and or will, but then with all these caveats and <laughs> like, what, what, what attracts you to it? Um, well, I absolutely like growth, you know, and I, I seeing growth and seeing people perform better and self-discovery. I mean, there's truly, I don't think there's anything better than to be a conduit and a catalyst to somebody's uh, exceptional performance and top performers like, and I, I see owner operators as triathletes and my, my, there's a model that I use with them. And so you asked how I how I get up close and operate, I first start by, you know, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And I try and see the world from my client's perspective, from the business owner's perspective. And I just try and understand what it is they see is their ecosystem. And it's oftentimes, you know, mired with, uh, you know, craziness. It's chaotic. It's high demand. It's high pace. And oftentimes they focus on the things that they can see and the feel the things that they feel that they can improve on. Um, then there are things that they can see that they avoid and they don't want. And then there's a whole nother part of the ecosystem that they're not paying attention to at all. And so once I start seeing the world from their perspective, I can open them up to the rest of their ecosystem. And so it goes, yeah. Well, what, define your, uh, define ecosystem as you are saying it. So, um, there are three priorities that owners, uh, business owners, uh, have to spend their time on. They have to spend time on their business, their family, as providers, as leaders, and wealth creators. Owners, controlling stock, partnerships, uh, governance, wealth creation. And uh, most of the time, though I have examples of this being different, most of the time, business owners are overextended in the business circle. They're 110% over there, and they're overextended, and it can create burnout and ineffectiveness. When, they're, when they look at their family, they kind of feel uh, kind of helpless over there. Sometimes they walk into somebody else's full-time job. They have a spouse who's running a household, and they get in at whatever time they get in, and it's kind of somebody else's world. And so they can feel like they're a little bit outsiders in their own in their own families, or sometimes just ineffective at getting their family members to listen to them. And then in the wealth circle, in the governance space, the ownership, um, business owners are ambivalent about their wealth. They have a foot in and they have a foot out. Okay, I'll do a financial plan, but I'm not going to do estate planning. Okay, I'll do keynote. I'll, I'll do key uh, key man insurance and 
and I'll set up the trust, but I'm not going to do financial planning. Uh, I have the PPL. I have to worry about, you know, so they're kind of in and out. Um, and oftentimes if it's a lifestyle business, they are using their business for running their lives. And, you know, that can create when, when they get to an exit position, they, they can delay uh, an exit because their, their private finances and their business dollars are, are, you know, interloping. So that's the ecosystem. And I, I, well, I, well clarified, and I love it. And I, in this is this is was striking at one of the uh, topics you and I talked about last time, where we we talk about ownership and your equity ownership different than the management role that you get a paycheck for. And then you brought up the the three circles, and you know you what what you just described, Stacey, is like it's like there's not a lot of like coaches or therapists that can rip off like key man insurance. That's a problem. Or say, like you just talked about very technical things, but you're talking about how that impacts the mental health. And it's so fantastic because I, I actually just did this podcast recently. We we're talking about like all of the emotions and the identity and what you want, but then there's all the technical academic stuff and they're all inner, like they're all tied together yeah. and like you can't get your sanity my opinion is you can't get your sanity unless you understand how these variables work together yeah doesn't mean that it's the end all be all or the be all end all but the you get need to understand it in order to like chart a path and like organize yourself essentially so yeah it's very impressive the fact you understand that those technical things create the frustration or anxiety or whatever it might be i appreciate that i'll, I'll just say a little bit more of this ecosystem so oftentimes this and I shared earlier that these these priorities are fragmented, right? They so I help the business owner bring the ecosystem into one single the, these these priorities into one single ecosystem, so we can diagram where all the relationships are, and then the 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 part of the process that's the most psychological is the early part of the process, which I call conceptualize which we actually do uh, the deep dive conversation of, you know, where are you and where do you want to be? And what are the things that are getting in your way? I mean, so it, it, it won't be surprising to anybody uh, to, if I say, you know, something happened in 12th grade. Somebody told, I have a client, somebody told me I was ugly on the bus in 12th grade and it haunts me. Uh, I just spoke to a client whose father suicided when they were nine and, and they found their their parent. And this, you know, inflicted them through their, um, you know, uh, somebody was stood up at the altar. Uh, this impacts the way they operate in their business, make relationships. It's, it's, it is so, it's so clear when we can talk about it. And, uh, you know, I always say, you don't have to relive painful moments in your past to to resolve them. Sometimes I've had a client who had a very painful experience and I knew he didn't want to talk about it, but I could feel the emotion and the pain. And it was enough to feel the depth of the pain with him. I didn't need, mm -hmm. he didn't need to re-experience anything for me to understand the pain. And so it was only the evidencing of sharing that, that we could make some comparisons to, you know, his work with the CFO, the, 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 the strife with his with his partner and, you know, why he was not doing the taking the advice of his board, it, you know. And so just the relief of it, I also say I just want to mention this one other thing. You know, 
I've been a psychologist and I've done psychotherapy. I've been a financial advisor. I had my Series 7 and I worked at Merrill Lynch. For no, you didn't tell me that yeah. last time. No so wonder. Okay. I've, <laughs> so I've been in your bedroom, which might sound really creepy, but as a psychologist, I'm intimately involved in the privacy part of your life. And I've been in your wallet, right? So there's really... Oh, you should... I thought you were going to say balance sheet. I've been oh, in your okay, bedroom and Balance sheet <laughs> and, your, and your boardroom. Yeah, there so you go. So my job is really to ultimately get, you know, under your skin, noodle in your brain, you know, in your ears to ensure that you are performing optimally. So you know everything you need to know about you and you're not showing up naked. Nobody sees you. Um, nobody sees things about you that you don't know about yourself. So it it is such an empowering way. And also, by the way, Self-awareness, you know, it's just another concept to be thinking about, Ryan, is, you know, you have your brain, you have your mind, and you have awareness. And we often prioritize thinking over emotion. And we actually are taught to keep emotions out of decision-making. But every decision is, pre the precursor to every decision is emotion. If you have confidence about a decision, that's an emotion. If you are doubtful about something, that's an emotion. So if you are not understanding emotion and why you have a uh, uh, why you have an inclination towards something, you're making decisions in the dark. And does and and thoughts are so much more superficial than emotions. Emotions involve intuition and memory and attachment and intelligence. I love it. So I want to hear your thoughts in this context of. The, the experiences that I have, and I don't know have the, the tools to articulate it as well as you do, but like, so last night at this company event I was telling you about, and there's like 50 people there and, you know, and this happens a lot to me when I'm sitting there in front of a business owner and they're telling me about their business, Stacy, and this one last night didn't smile at all. And I can just feel the like, I'm trying to prove to you that I'm worth something and I'm just like, man, just smile, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like, and it, for me, and I, I can see or feel because I've got yeah. some similar experience with our family business where like there's something so deep and rooted there that they're they're using their business. The emotions that are going on are jaded. I'm going to prove something or whatever it is when it's like, why are you doing what you're doing? And I can't even like imagine how that manifests into leadership and culture and all the other stuff. But it's like intellectually, there's a lot of very accurate things being discussed. Like you said, like the thinking yeah. is accurate but there's so much there behind it it's like yeah. wow the emotion that i could feel it yeah like have an actual feeling to what how they were describing very superficial things about the business yeah it's the tell right it's the tension behind the words it's just the tell you can uh i well and i appreciate that about you ryan about the just the empathy the you know the empathing the the paying attention to the tone or just the yeah, the, the, the facial expressions, Smile. right, right. right. Yeah, Just like the tension it. is all over people's faces. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a super unfortunate consequence of a psychological method or psychological theory that describes, it's kind of old theory, it's, it's not useful so much, is that the peak of self-awareness is autonomy, right? So we, we get a sense that uh, to be great is to be able to do everything on our own. And to reach autonomy is, you know, to see ourselves as separate and apart and, you know, 
The truth is that we are more evolved the more we can relate and engage and um, evolve because of relationships with other people. So, I mean, I would tell you that there are, you know, there are four conditions to really good coaching or good therapy or anything that requires uh, individuals to change and grow. And one, the first condition is that there is a relationship. There's a relationship. There are two people. There are people who are engaged in connection, right? Human spirit, human connectivity, relating to each other, being understood, being appreciated, being acknowledged, being seen, being accepted. That is a critical component to being open to growth, innovation, and self-discovery. So if we took self-discovery, if I were sitting with a business owner, I said, let's just take self-discovery off. You want innovation for your business. You want to be able to evolve your business in a way that helps you grow 10, 20% year over year, for example. So you, the first order of business for, for leaders is to connect, to feel connected to themselves and to their businesses and to their mission, their purpose. And you know, oftentimes that's the one thing that people neglect is their understanding of themselves in relationship to others. The second thing is that there is um, a sense of safety that what I say will be safe and I won't be judged, but also the person is capable to help me through something. So I have to be able to be safe and have confidence that you can help me through this. The third thing is that the relationship is authentic. So when you are revealing things about you, even though I'm in the service of you, I'm revealing things about me because we learn from each other and I need to be vulnerable to you in order for you to feel comfortable being vulnerable to me. We have to have something on each other, which is why when I was in financial services, I would swear a lot because my 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 male counterparts, my the financial advisors uh, kind of said, well, you're HR, you're not supposed to swear, which I wasn't HR, but you know, I'm going to tell on you. I said, okay, you can tell on me, but if I tell on you, you tell. So we had something on each other, right? I was being naughty. They were being <laughs> naughty. And so we had naughty information about each other. And so that kept us, that kept us confidential. And then the, the fourth part is that there's a feedback loop, that it's not a one and done. We have a conversation, you learn, you get an insight, and then you go test it out. And then you come back and you explore the consequences, positive or negative of that. And that's, that's coaching. Well, and it's super interesting because like out of, I mean, so many business owners, I can't even count that I've come across or myself is like, you know, the, the, the fear of hiring, because I think that the fear of hiring a coach or someone like yourself or whatever program that they're looking at is they don't get me. So they might understand my mental state, but they don't understand the stress that comes with running a business and all the weight of employees and payroll and wealth and all that stuff. So not going to have any kind of connection there. Or it, so like like when you said you're the balance sheet, the boardroom and the and the bedroom, it's like the full understanding of who an entrepreneur is, right? There's really, it's a multidimensional individual that has a lot of stuff going on mm -hmm. that a lot of people can't relate to. And therefore you, we end up going to these peer groups, which are very beneficial, but there, it's just other people that are also struggling with the same problems mm -hmm. that are not like skilled to be helping you break through your blind spots or the challenges. Yeah. And so how do you use your background to help people a understand that? And then what is the process to like actually making progress towards all these different dim uh, dimensions? Well, uh, there is a, there is a, there is a process for winning, right? There is a methodology for winning. Um, and self-understanding, uh, knowing your blind spots, 
uh, knowing your strengths, being willing to adapt, uh, being willing to do honest self-analysis. So these are the things that um, are, you know, they're required of, of top performers. The thing that's most amazing to me is business owners don't see themselves as triathletes. They don't see themselves as athletes. They don't see themselves as having a path, a, a developing a clear path to winning. If you think about, um, I'm just trying to think, get, get my, my thoughts here. So the process is, um, again, going back to the ecosystem, the very first part of the process is diagramming the ecosystem. So I diagrammed a very, very, I, I diagrammed the three circles coming together. Well, when the three circles come together, they make seven circles. Those are seven stakeholder groups. Every business owner has universal stakeholder groups. And they all have their own unique agendas. You can imagine that if you are a family member employed by the company, but not an owner of the company, you have a different agenda than a family member who's an owner, but not in the business, right? Okay, so mm -hmm. those, are, those individuals and those groups have different agendas. If the business owner in the center is not aware of those stakeholder groups, then those stakeholder groups are invisible to them. They have agendas that are hidden to the business owner and they can be mm -hmm. competing. These mm -hmm. agendas can be invisibly competing and, and every even if the business owner is doing everything right, right? These this underlying dynamic can trip up a great game plan. Just because even though they're doing it right doesn't mean it doesn't exist and that might not be a big, huge problem tomorrow. Well, yeah, and there's an emotional dynamic that is impacting the business that's invisible. Right. So right. Yeah. then then in addition to those three um, circles and the seven stakeholder groups, each one of the circles has three imperatives and they're universal. You know, there's the governance and wealth distribution and um, and legacy uh, happens in the in the ownership. Say those three again. Governance, wealth distribution, mm -hmm. wealth accumulation and wealth distribution and um and legacy. And legacy. Yeah. Which is estate Super planning and yep. yeah, and yep. trusts and well and, and I think, you know, it just clearing these up, you know, there was this big huge problem that my dad and I had at one point, Stacey, like when we were in the business and we had a lot of tension and conflict. And we ended up hiring just it was actually a ex CEO of uh, someone in our industry and she said you guys are wearing too many hats and not identifying the hat. So we had actually for like a year we're like, you know, sun hat. Part friend hat, yeah. partner hat, you know, and it was just like all these things, but just clarifying right. them helped us understand what are we bringing to the table and what are our agendas and how are we going to communicate? Right. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking that maybe it would be helpful just to give an example, right? You know, um, I had a client who showed up one day and uh, he had been referred by somebody in his Vistage group. And, you know, the challenge was that he, well, there was strife between he and his wife, which is really what brought him in. It was in the middle of the pandemic. And she said to him that, you know, there wasn't any clear retirement plan. And the she was afraid that the business could be sunk. Uh, and then they would, you know, they have no assets. So that uh, that strife, right? I mean, they're, they were a loving couple. They had this strife and he felt it was the right thing for him to do to address that issue. So he came to me. There was also strife in the family. Um, so that was kind of in the retirement wealth circle. She was concerned about that. But in the family circle, they had two children um, who were uh, home and they were having psychological 
issues, right? They had predisposition. One was depressed, the other was bulimic, and it was very, um, it was out of, it was dangerous. It was scary, and it yeah. felt out of control. Yeah, and then in the business, he had a long-standing tension with his uh, COO um, because they had done strategic planning years ago. The owner did not take the advice of the strategic planner, but the COO wanted to. And he had just been disappointed all of that time, that last five years, because he couldn't get the business owner, my client, to do what he said he was supposed to do. So in all of these circles, my client came mm-hmm. and he said, you know, and so we drew this ecosystem. That was the first thing we do. We diagram mm-hmm. the whole ecosystem. So you can see where all of your relationships reside and you can begin to pay attention to what each one of them need, or at least know that you're not paying attention to some of them. And mm-hmm. that space could be rogue, or it could be okay mm-hmm. for now. Um, and we first got a treatment plan for his two children. They were seeing physicians who weren't seeing the whole issue. So I worked with them on getting treatment plans. One is now in a private school, and the other just did a treatment facility for a couple months, and both of them are doing better. Um, we got a board together, a board of advisors together, and that board of advisors, it's, it's, it's an initial board of advisors. It's more like a mm-hmm. think tank so that, yep. the, that my client has a place to um, talk about a challenge and get, you know, multiple ideas, people talking about that challenge in front of him so he can glean some, some ideas and then begin to approach that challenge differently. And we also got a financial planner to start talking about the retirement process. And then in the business, uh, we brought the CFO, I'm sorry, yeah, the CFO and the COO together. We talked about the missteps of the prior strategic planning, which gave all of them pause when, you know, they were all skeptical of me when I walked in because been here, done that, and you can't help us because we don't trust the business owner to take your advice. So we had to overcome that as well. And there we have it. So all aspects of my client's ecosystem were now in his sights and in his control. And he was able to take charge again of this chaotic mess. So, and that happens on every level with every client to different degrees. I was just going to say, so like, um, what are some of the biggest, because like maybe framing up like there's this like a degree of self-awareness, right? Because that's what we're, you're kind of talking about, self-awareness. And then there's tools to identify what's at play to be aware of them. Because the like the only way to be intentional is if you're aware of what's going on and then charting a path forward. True. So, like, how, how do you take, like, is there a process of going through, yeah. like saying, okay, like we're going from not self-awareness to like, okay, now, now there's self-awareness and there's a plan and we're you know, moving towards yeah. something. And knowing it's not going to be perfect because that like you're, you're probably your definition of that, like the, the top performer that's hitting on all cylinders, it's always going to be constant, you know, constantly evolving because even the top performer, you can't stop. Right. So it's, so at some point you're just on the journey and you're just blocking and tackling the things that you're aware of. Mm-hmm. So how, what's, is there a spectrum or is there a process to like go from unaware to like where you're actually hitting on all cylinders or? Yes. So I really, really want to answer the question. And sometimes I get, I'm too deep into the material to be able to pull back mm-hmm. enough to be high, higher level. And I apologize if I'm, if I'm not hitting that, you know, that, that note that needs to be hit mm-hmm. right now. I, so here's what I really love about the work is the work of self-awareness in my work is not, self, the, it's not for the purpose of self-awareness alone. 
So it's a byproduct. Well, it's the goal, but it's also Mm -hmm. a byproduct of taking business owners through this insight. You know, what is your ecosystem and where are the problems and why are these problems? Inevitably, there's these are all people issues. There, it's it, it's they're all people. So so true. It it is true. So so solving the problem of people issues is the process of helping a business owner become more self aware. They have to mm-hmm. when they solve problems for others, they have to evaluate and understand and dig into, you know, what are the challenges that they are willing to address with those people or or that issue and what that so. Okay, so simply put, simply put, Brian, why are you still struggling with that problem? And how long have you been struggling? And why? And what has it cost you? What's the cost of that problem? And why haven't you figured it out? Well, that could sound like it could put you on the defensive. And it might. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I do. I mean, the process of coaching for me is very provocative. I don't want you to agree with me. You know, if I, yeah, you're not you're not whatever personality type that loves harmony, right? It's like no, let's dig in and poke yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a mud wrestler. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> so in order to overcome anxiety, you have to experience it. I mean, I can't. You could talk with me about your anxiety, Ryan, and I could talk with you about it. But when I see it, or when you call me, because I told you when you get into that 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 mind numbing, spinning, ruminating, you mm-hmm. have to call me because that's. At the it, that's at the at the point in time where it is happening and it needs to be unraveled, right? Untangled. What are the elements of that? And let's experience the 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 healing in the moment. And I, I refrain from the word healing because I don't think business owners like that term. But healing is health, and health is growth, and and that's powerful. Mm-hmm. So so sometimes awareness is the byproduct. I think you you answered it because like I think your ecosystem is really what's it, it's it's unpacking that like what are the agendas of what everybody wants from me and then like I think the one of the biggest struggles that I've had is like if I make this decision it's going to impact my ecosystem mm. all the people differently and so if I go over here to ask for some advice they're gonna taint it yeah. taint their opinion in some direction like so like and again Lo and behold, everybody ends up in peer groups talking to other people that are lonely because who are having their own ecosystems that they're not aware of and giving advice. And so like the more we understand this ecosystem, then we can say, okay, how are we going to address these different, the decision that I have today for the business or for these different stakeholders, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. What is the ripple effect of this and how am I going to deal with it? So I'm not blindsided and miserable. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the crux of it. So right there, that was beautiful. And I, and, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm revved up to, to say this, the first part of the process, it's a four-phase process when 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 I work with clients. People like a process, even though it's different for every person because growth is unique for every person. So, But the process is, the first part is conceptualize. And there are six parts of conceptualize that every business owner needs to work through before the, before the work can really start. And then there mm-hmm. are six or 12 of their own that I don't have charted that are their own blind spots, but there are six universal. And one of them has to do with this phenomenon where I I wanna solve this problem. This is a challenge with my CFO, he's not talking to me. He's got a beef with me Mm -hmm. and I just can't get him to open up to me anymore. And so there's this this underlying conflict and I, you know, it's passive aggressive, let's just say in quotes, I hate labeling, but that's what it feels like. 
and I just can't get this I can't get this person to resolve anything with me. So the business owner might say, I want to make this change so I can do this, then I'll do this, then I'll do this. Oh, but then this guy won't want to do that, so I can't do it. And it goes all the way back. It's like shoots and ladders, right? You go that game board, you go all the way back to the beginning. Because the third or fourth thing that you need to do to solve that problem is a roadblock, so you give up on it. Mm -hmm. So in the process, Mm -hmm. in my first phase of the process of coaching, performance coaching is before we do anything is to address that is one of the six problems to address is okay how many things and that's mental blocks right mental blockers. well it's actually it it is a yes they're all mental blockers something but that's a real problem that person says i'm not going to be able to get that division to change if i got rid of the cfo my whole finance department would you know, would be angry with mm-hmm. me or they they wouldn't accept a new CFO or whatever it is. If I make that change, the reaction is going to is going to blow up and and I won't be able to solve the problem that way. Or mm-hmm. I can't get rid of my. And then, sh- and then to use your shoes and ladders, then you hit the, le- the, yeah, the shoot. Then you and give up and then you give up on that problem and you don't. So in that case, we problem solve for every <laughs> for every uh, obstacle that you can imagine. So it's it's kind of like uh, visualizing the process before you before you ski the slope. Like every athlete does, they visualize the performance before they do it, right? So that they mm-hmm. can get a sense mm-hmm. that they anticipate. It's all about preparation. So I would say that a big part of the process is preparation. If the, the better you prepare and understand where you know where you're going to have pushback and how you're not how you're going to deflect from that pushback. And then you're going to be, you know, then you're not going to be able to achieve the goals that you want because that thing stands in your way. You should be able to solve every single part of the problem along the path to that solution. So I guess that's what I would well, say and, is visualizing and, that. Yeah. And I want to keep going, uh, keep you going on the, on the four phases. Um, but like one, one thing to just address what you're talking about on these you know, solving for these obstacles, identifying them and however they manifest themselves. What I think is so interesting, Stacey, is that it manifests itself, these obstacles in just a stomach ache. Let's just call it what it is, is like, it's the, I remember that we, for like a year, we wanted to fire our GM back at our business. And it was like, yeah, like I just want to like throw up when I think about the ripple effect of what that is. So like you said, we're going to ignore it. And so like, but at some point, but really at the, what it is, is the stomach ache is anxiety and fear of the unknown of how am I going to deal with this? Right. And so like, I think it's just interesting because that's what makes people avoid it. I agree. Is that Brian, stomach ache? I, I, well, I agree. And it's something that you said that I liked is, um, uh, people, what did you say about avoiding it? Because they, it's the, it, it's, 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 oh, you said the fear from, of the unknown. So, you know what? Yeah. I, I kind of think that using that those words is problematic because it's not fear of the unknown necessarily that that is a thing but that's actually fear of things that i think are going to happen yeah but it's really but it's fear of not of a fear of not having the tools or the understanding of what it takes so it's it's not the unknown it's not having the understanding of what you need to do to accomplish that goal it's it's a different mm-hmm. unknown. It's not knowing. You don't have the experience. You don't have, you haven't, you haven't talked it through. You haven't found the resources. You uh, anticipate the problems happening and not being able to solve for them. It's not so much the unknown. 
the un because it's it's the no, not I'm, I'm it's the I'm not tracking. knowing it's the not knowing, not knowing how and it's it, not knowing how and like what well and it, it's like let's actually take that back to your then your your ecosystem okay so yes i don't know uh, like yeah we want to fire this gm or whoever key employer whatever the problem is someone's dealing with and then it's like okay so who am I going to turn to these problems? Well, if you're the problems with your partner, okay, well, you can't talk to your employees. You can't talk to your advisors. You can't like, so then you go to talk to your family and your family has no context of the business. And so like, you're literally just, like you said, and now I'm getting an even better understanding of your use of the word fragmented because I go over to them, my spouse to talk through this. And she's going, I don't know, like, well, I don't know what the financial ramifications mm-hmm. of that are. I don't know what the, and so then you're going, I'm still lost where I'm not getting the whole picture and then how to deal with this without someone tainting the view of what I should do, Yeah, which makes me then more stressed. Right. I really, so here's a funny thing. I may be a little bit veering off, but I, so I've heard from, so I am a clinical psychologist and I have practiced psychotherapy for a number of years. And then I transitioned into business and family business coaching and performance coaching. So I've, anyway, so I really find it, I get humored. I used to get offended. I get humored when people in my, you know, doing doing the work of, of coaching without a psychological degree and say, and they tell me, you're never supposed to give your client the answer. Clients are always supposed to figure it out on their own. I mean, that for me is like horseshit. Like, <laughs> I don't understand that. It, it I, That's kind of like frustrating the one thing you're trying to help get so it's always a balance. But if I know the answer or first of all, the answer only comes from my understanding what it is you want. So ultimately, my answer is the culmination of something that you've helped me understand that you want. So, of course, I'm going to give you the answer. So <laughs> but on the flip side, Ryan, I really don't like the concept of people advisors saying, if I were you, this is what I would do. I, Tell me why you hate well, that. Because uh, you're not me. <laughs> and because you only imagine <laughs> you can only imagine. So, you know. You can only imagine it's so presumptuous and it's yeah, there's just no way you're ever going to walk. In well, and it's also right? it's oftentimes a uh, a fantasy that if I were you, I'd ha- uh, this is what I would do to get to get it all. I don't know. It, I don't know. It's, uh, it's so it's how, just, what it, would be a different way that you would reframe that that. So let's 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 further. Well, further what moment, I probably would just simply say is what I have done in my case. These are the experiences when I've tried that or when I imagine doing that for myself. Yeah, that's very much like the, the peer group philosophy. Name whatever peer group, EO, Vistage, any privately held one. And, and the whole thing is you never tell another business owner what to do. You explain to them pro- stories from your past that might be relevant. So that's different. I do tell people what to do, <laughs> but I don't tell them what I would do. Okay, got it. <laughs> I absolutely believe that when we are intimately so okay, so don't you think Belichick used to tell Tom Brady what the fuck to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, this yeah, is the exactly. kind of coach that I am. I'm, I'm like I'm your first base coach. If you're <laughs> if you're running the second base, I want you to get there as badly as you do, right? So we are in it together. Yeah. So my performance, you know, I just I I did start coaching um with some professional athletes recently. And what I've learned because of, you know, it was inspired at at the onset of COVID. What I, what I learned from my athletes that I bring to business and it's actually changed. uh, I have different kinds of ultimatums, right? Like got to do this because this is what great performers do. And I know it because I've seen it. 
And what they what, what I really love is that the a great athlete, um, a proven athlete on the field says thank uh, wants the insight, desperate for the insight. Tell me everything. You know, Coach Landry used to say. Uh, a coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who shows you what you don't want to see so you can be all that you can be. Right. So Ooh, it's a good one. Love I love that too. Yeah. So that's, that that's amazing. the, that's what, that's what I practice. So here they, they absolutely want the insight, even if, even if they even, and they're going to fight you on it because it's not always going to mm-hmm. make sense or they don't want it to be true. So it's a sparring and they are really good at sparring though. I, okay. The second thing is, they use the, they thank me for the insight. And why that's important is because that level of connectivity is, it, it inspires me to work harder. That appreciation, uh, it's not that I'm being thanked or getting credit. It's that we're in it together. So I am encouraged mm-hmm. to do it again. So they absolutely yeah. know how to keep me working hard for them. And the third mm-hmm. thing they do is they reference that piece of advice or that insight or that change all the time. Because that holds them in that position. They won't fall from that position. They don't want to lose ground. So they mm-hmm. repeat that, that, that insight again and again and again. It keeps their ground. And then, they, then we get to another insight. And that's how you grow. Insight by insight by insight by insight. Amazing. And, and I love, yeah, your definition of the coaching is just spot on. And I think what happens is, and again, people are taking advice from people they probably shouldn't who say, if I were you or, or someone right. that's telling them what to do that, that shouldn't be telling them what to do. So I, I think the big context for that is like yeah. making sure they're, they've actually engaged with a coach who is doing the right things, giving them the tools to then do what you said versus getting fragmented information and advice from their ecosystem. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the clarification that telling somebody what to do. So let me, let me just, back off from that just a little bit. So I, it's not misunderstood because I think you picked up on that, Ryan, is, you know, it's the culmination of a relationship when an insight and an understanding or an answer or a solution appears. Um, that's the value of, of, of a business owner being able to talk out loud. So there's so many things that happen in coaching. Sometimes a business owner ha- or any of us have an idea, it's half-baked and they can't bring it anywhere. So this great half-baked idea never gets to see the light of day because there's, because mm-hmm. there's no, sometimes there's no time to reflect. Sometimes there's nobody to engage with. So the, so it's a process of sometimes thinking out loud. Sometimes you're mm-hmm. anxious and, and, and I become the non-anxious thinker for you. Sometimes I'm anxious because mm-hmm. you're not. And so I demonstrate <laughs> you should be anxious about this, man. You know, you're too, Super you're too cool, cool and calm about this. And that's what, a you know, it's interesting. I had a client chaos, chaos going on. And, and I said, you know, I want to call him, um, you know, John, you really need to, uh, you need to get control over this. And he said, well, I don't believe in control. I don't like that word. And I don't believe in control. And I said, well, control is one of the, is in the lexicon of a business owner. So if you're not okay with it, then it's a blind spot, which means we need to work on it. So anyway, he got control over it. Well, and I think, yeah. And and I think also to, to put a bow on that, it's, it, you had mentioned that you get side by side with someone, you map out their ecosystem, understand the agendas of where everybody's coming from, and then help them figure out their blind spots. That builds, like if you were to do that with me, you're building the trust so that way when you tell me what to do, I'm going to freaking listen. Because everybody else that's telling me what to do or giving me thoughts about if they were me doesn't know all of that. So why would I believe them? 
right? And so I think, I think you're laying point. the groundwork to make that actually happen. So once once you're identifying these these blind spots and you're and you're starting to chart this like ecosystem, what, what's the rest of the process? I think we we're on. We we're just that was one. one. Conceptualize is all. It's really about taking the business owner through the process before they actually do it, because nobody wants to do anything they're not confident about doing. So we got to get rid of all of the. The things that I, I've just repeated myself, the things yeah, that's yeah. going to stop you and send you back down because, you know, I'm going to make that change, but nobody's going to follow it. So I'm not going to do it. I mean, that's yep. that's very screwy. No more shoots and ladders. Only ladders. Right. Only ladders. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> forward, forward. Um, the second phase is called strategize. And that's when you bring your plan. So after during conceptualize, we're getting through the roadblocks, but we're already we're also putting a plan in place. Then we bring that plan to the manage, typically to the management team, the the or it could be to the family or it could be the advisor group in the in the legacy space. You know, there are pe- there we have hired people, or we have mm-hmm. direct. You know, uh, I think Lencioni called it the first team. We have a first team in every one of those spheres. It's our family, our first line of family. It could be our siblings. It could be our kids. It could be the you know, our parents. Um, in mm-hmm. the business, it's typically the management team. And in the wealth, mm-hmm. it's it's the advisor team, which mm-hmm. oftentimes business owners don't have a good team. Not only do they not have a think tank or a board, but they haven't got good advisors. And they're if they have good advisors, yeah. they're not working together. And yeah. business owners <laughs> need to see that as a team, just like as they manage their family and their business. So the second phase is to bring it to the first team and to do the mm-hmm. same cool. process with the first team, conceptualize mm-hmm. with the first team. But it's strategize because the business owners already come to some conclusions about what what their what their mission, what their aspirations, what their purpose is. So they need to have that understood or or in process, right? That there's a conversation, words to that because they have to be emphatic about something that they're driving. So what's the what what are you emphatic about? What has to happen? in this business for us to be able to get it done. So that's the strategize is the, is the first team. The, the third is facilitate and facilitate inevitably. Um, and, you know, this is going to could upset the apple cart, but inevitably business owners need to hire consultants that they can dial up and dial down that bring an expertise to every, to any one of the functions that has a great team that is insulated, right? That team mm-hmm. is, it's insulated. It's been working, that team's been working in your company for you for 15 years or, you know, different. So an infusion of new thought plus expertise plus some muscle, right? So, and you can dial that person up and you can dial it down. And they also become a peer to you so they can advise you. They can make changes in that department uh, and they always use that person as that's a training opportunity. So anytime you use a consultant, you should be getting three, you know, three benefits. Um, And again, it's the dial up, it's the dial down. And remember consultants, which I am one, we so fiercely want to, we so fiercely want to be useful, right? I so fiercely want I mean, I have my own mission, but I also want to fiercely want to be useful to somebody. I mean, because mm-hmm. as soon as you don't care about what I do, I'm I'm irrelevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the only time, mm-hmm. so it's a privilege to give advice, right? It's a privilege for somebody to let me influence them. And I don't take it mm-hmm. lightly. I love it. And then the mm-hmm. fourth is execute. So basically we've built the team. You have the right mindset. You're, you're in the right mind space. You have the, you have 
So in addition to being in the right mind space, and I feel like I'm going on and on, but in addition is you can't only believe your thoughts because actually thoughts can often be, the initial thought is a good one, but as you, as you drive that thought, you're actually speculating. There's a lot of mm-hmm. speculation in thought, but emotion, right? Emotion is, is, is phys- physiological it's um, intuitive, it is experience-based, and mm-hmm. it's intel. So, Yeah, you're from yourself and the people right. around you that are experiencing your emotions. Right. So you have the right, you, you, you're in the right mind space. Then mm-hmm. we build your leadership team or the team. Then we bring in the, 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 the specialty, the special ops, and then we mm-hmm. execute. And it's, uh, you know, to do that whole thing, which is, you know, it's thrilling. And typically it's when somebody is absolutely, you know, gets ready to do the work, right? It's about a year yeah. to a year and a half. Well, and, and it's so interesting to Stacey is that we spent, you know, a good percentage of this time on the first one, which is awareness and laying the groundwork and identifying, con- conceptualizing, yeah. like you said, like, how do you tackle a problem if you don't know what it yeah. is? <laughs> like, it's just, it's amazing. And like, even our business, the business of Arcona, I mean, it started out just as an education company, but then no one knew how to execute it. So then we built out the fractional CFO services. And like the, exactly. the interesting part is, I, we, like, I would never work with someone. We, it's part of our business model. We don't work with anybody that hasn't gone through the training because they don't know what they want and why, and they don't know how to, so they're just running blind and we're just enabling the, the already chaotic behavior. <laughs> and, and like, which is not good for them either, which is so, but it's so interesting because it's- You're right. It's You're so self-awareness. Education based, which is just very fascinating. What are the biggest? I really like. I really like your perspective, Ryan, and you're very fluid and fluent and very natural in the understanding of all of this. It's a. It's. Um. It's. It's powerful to have a conversation with you. Well, I appreciate yeah. that very much. I. Uh, you know, again, a lot. A lot of bumps and bruises is what equals the, <laughs> the, the the stories, right? But the the. You know, Stacey, when I think about when is it someone's ready for this, when you're talking about, you know, not, you know, stopping the fall versus climbing the mountain, like, you know, like when I think about the people I know that, that, or myself in different stages, like someone could be like, oh, like sounds, you know, I'm stuck, but I'm not ready. Like, how do you judge like when someone's actually going to be ready or they're going to be in denial mode or skeptical versus saying, this is awesome. And you look at someone, you're like, I can take this person and really make them a top performer. Uh, so the first thought is, um, how do you know when people are ready? So I am a psychologist, and my, you know, my my oath, right, is to work with people who aren't ready or to help them be ready. Like I'm, so so I know a lot of consultants will say, I it's only a work painful with mission, I, isn't I, it? I, right? I only work with people who are ready, right? And that's why they're always successful because their people are ready and they want to do the work. But the the risk sometimes is to work with people who aren't ready, who want to be ready, or their spouse is ready, or their CFO is ready for them to be ready, or their C, you know, whatever the board, (laughs) or even the board, you know, the board with the father on the board says, my son who's going to take over the business needs a leadership coach because he's arrogant or entitled or, or not developed or it's premature or his, his reason for not being coached is a sign that he's not ready to lead. I mean, it could be hundreds of things. 
So yep. readiness is not, it's, it, it, it's fluid and it's about you know, trying out the conversation. Let's try out the conversation. So I do have a kind of an intensive, uh, let's figure it out. It's an intensive one month thing to figure it out. Where to start, figure out where to start is what I call it. Because <laughs> it may be with me, but it could be with you, Ryan. I might say, you know what? You, what you've described here really needs the attention of Ryan. And so the process isn't necessarily whether you need me or not. It's mapping out the issues and then determining where to start. So I do that too. It's almost like to steal a a phrase from Brene Brown, like someone's identifying, I'm willing to jump into the arena and get the shit kicked out Mm -hmm. of me somehow, but I'm willing to give it a try, right? Versus like sitting in the stands and just, you know, observing or judging or ignoring or or denying. Yeah, so, I like that too. What, it's interesting because somebody just, a client of mine just mentioned Brene Brown about the growth sucks. And I don't really, I can't, I don't. I, is that I, a phrase that she said? Yeah. The growth sucks? Yeah. Well, she says, uh, I don't know what the quote is. Yeah, yeah. But, no, it's, but it's, she it's says, okay. no, it's you okay. have to accept Thank the you. suck or, you know, you have to accept the that it's not going to be fun. Something like that. I don't know. And I don't know that any of my clients would say that the work sucks. I mean, it's absolutely empowering. It's invigorating. It's freeing. I mean, it's 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 knowing. It's becoming. It's becoming. It's confidence that you can solve every single problem. Listen, if you own a company, you cannot turn around and look at anybody else to get it done for you. You're the guy. You're the gal. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can get it done for you. So if it's not getting done, then you're not doing something that needs to be done. <laughs> You can't you know you're not great. And 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 the higher so that's the fear, that's the fear. But the higher order is that there are in all if you counted up all of the people on your on the diagram, you know, there's often upwards of hundreds. So if you don't mm-hmm. show up well, you know, you know, then you're underperforming. For your people mm-hmm. and they so i always feel like and i find that privately owned business owners owners of privately owned companies do have a higher purpose they do want to be benevolent leaders they want to be loved they want to not not loved in they want to for the right reasons they want to they want to be admired mm-hmm. and they want mm-hmm. to be seen as doing good work and um listen there is absolutely if I think top about performers want to be top performers because they want to be a top performer. Well, right? that's I mean, like, true. But that, yes. And they, and they become examples to others. So regardless, a top performer has the opportunity to impact uh, either, either, you know, by being an example or by actually building a company where people mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love it. And I don't, I'm, I'm, hesitating on whether I should bring this up or not. And so I'm, I'm going to use the right to maybe my editors will take this out or not, or we can, but I, I'll, if we got it, we got like another five, 10 minutes. I, I got to I want to describe to you how I wrap all this stuff together. Cause you talked about the growth and this is what triggered it, is that growth, you know, growth can be painful and you got to you know endure the suck. So like there's this, there's two concepts. Um, one main, main concept, I don't know if it's one or two, but that, that I've used that it, like literally have a lot, has allowed me to enjoy the journey of, of this is there's this book I read called Conversations with God, Stacy, and another one called Why Do Good Things Happen or Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And 
the conversations that God and a lot of other books from science based mm -hmm. or, you know, biology based books that I've read or economics books, but there's this whole concept of relativity. You literally cannot have something without relativity. You can't know who you are unless you understand the opposite. If you're only by yourself mm -hmm. and you're tall, you don't know you're tall unless there's someone that's short. Mm -hmm. And like, what do we do with the worst human beings on the planet in prison? We put them in the solitary confinement because we don't know who we are unless we're in comparison to someone mm -hmm. else. So, the, the reason I bring up the conversations with God, he talks about relativity. And like, if our whole goal, if like, if all of the world is based in love and fear, and that's like relativity, and our goal is to be as closer to like this love and enjoyment as possible, we have to have fear the, op the, the opposite to understand love. And the whole goal of life is this journey of better understanding ourselves through experiences and others. And so, yes, you go through pains and ups and downs, but every situation is a way for you to say, I want to be more like that or less like that instead of going, well, this sucks. And it's just part of the journey. It's like, no, it's this constant. It's like the, the process of learning that and learning more about myself is what I enjoy, not the pain or the, the optimal law. It's like the process that's enjoyable. Yeah. And so like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, it's one of those yeah. things where like, so like my daughter asked me the other day, what's your favorite part of the morning or the evening? I'm like, the process. I don't know what to say. Like that's, and she's just like, at me. I'm like, you're five. Yeah. We'll, we'll deal with this later. Right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Or I don't know if that fits into context of what you're talking about or. I, I, I love it. Eckhart Tolle uh, has a, a video that I listen mm. to. And he, he says this funny thing. He says, when you go to a movie, you don't expect the protagonist to have a perfect life. You expect the protagonist to have pain because that's, that's the value of the movie is, is that somebody has to overcome something or it's not interesting. So he says, why wouldn't, why would we expect anything different for our own lives? So we, you know, growth happens with tension. It tension isn't, tension isn't always painful. Tension is, uh, is a disruption. So anyway, so it's the yin and the yang. It's the relativity. It's it's, it's what you're talking about. It's a about. continuum, right? Sometimes it's more difficult than other times. But, you know, he, and then, so there are a couple of things that are very perverse lies that we believe. One thing, one one perverse lie that we've been made to believe or that we've accepted is that, um, you know, that I said this already, that emotion, that, that decisions can be made without emotion. And keep emotion out. That's what business says all the time. Keep emotion out. So that's I grew up, well, well, I got to interrupt because I grew up in sales and I got taught from like the age of eight is people buy with emotion and justify with logic. So get their emotion bought in and then you'll be able to sell Yeah, I guess that's a good point <laughs> to, to, yeah, but and then, and then you're thinking sales, it's, it doesn't feel necessarily genuine doesn't or authentic, feel good. but, but to yeah. your point, you're right. There are different parts. I should, one perverse view of, of, of uh, in business is that emotions don't matter to decisions. And we should keep emotion. And I would agree with that. I didn't mean to, no, no, <laughs> to but, rebuttal. But, to no, that. that's perfect. That's perfect. You know, but there's there's a another kind of lie about um, about change that people don't like change. I mean, there's a whole campaign that has taught us, in mm -hmm. fact, not to like change. But the truth is that we are built for change. Like there's there isn't any part of my body that is not is not built or, or designed for change. So it's not that we don't like change. It's that we don't like being told to change. And mm -hmm. we don't like necessarily being, you know, there's a fast adapter, quick adapter, slow adapter, and, a, you know, kind of a resistor. Most of the time in business, when you're looking to make change, 
is you are you are misidentifying slow adopters or late adopters as resistors. And as soon as mm. you start calling labeling people as not being willing to change, they they'll 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 fulfill that prophecy. Yep. So yep. just back to your point about the relativity and and uh, yes, you know we are complex. Our psychologies are made up of you know, attachment and biology and genetics and preferences and traits and competencies and emotions and intelligence. And, you know, we are made up of so many things. Our, our self is developed by so many things. We do need to engage the world by having a perspective of relativity. I absolutely agree. Well, and I think it all starts with understanding all that, which I think is a great way to kind of land this plane. This is... So yeah, I could, I know you and I could go for a lot longer and we will probably have another conversation on this show, you know, so to, to kind of put a um, couple of last final questions on this, Stacey, uh, the first one is what does the word intentional mean to you? Name of the show, love it, love hearing people's uh, different definitions. So what is the name and what does the word intentional mean for you? You know, doing something with awareness and uh, purpose and a willingness and a curiosity to to achieve it, to seek and achieve. Love it. Then, then the best question is, where can people find you, find more of your information, reach out to you, get in touch with you? Yeah, that's super easy. I have uh, a website, www.stacyfiner.com. So there are five letters in my first name, S-T-A-C-Y, and six letters in my last name, F-E-I-N-E-R. So it's stacyfiner.com. And I have a LinkedIn page that has lots of information and and there's a phone number there somewhere and, and an email somewhere and that's how you find me. And you're constantly pu- pushing out good content. So I encourage people to uh, jump on the bandwagon and follow you. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show, the show Stacey. You're a pleasure. Breath of fresh air, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Stacy. I mean, I'll tell you what, she gave me some solid clarity on the seven stakeholders and the different types of top performers and really helped me understand myself and other people around me because of the clarity that she brings to the vernacular of people. What do we want? How do we see our blind spots? And really getting to the root question of where are we? What do we want to who and who do we want to be in and what's holding us back? And then how can we assess the current state and then get to a future state? We walk through all that in the intentional growth training where we're talking about the five principles and how to grow a valuable business in light of where you want to go. The first driver is your your drivers. I'm sorry, the first principle is your drivers. And what Stacy's talking about in this episode is really highlighting the uh, the importance of understanding yourself, the people around you, people's motivations, people's goals and their vision. So that way you can start charting that path. And she gave us more tools to be able to understand ourselves and others better. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know more on the technical side on valuations, exits, strategic planning, financial management, all the stuff that's inside of intentional growth training, go check it out at arcona.io. And with that being said, I will see you next week.